Hello everyone and welcome to the SEN NBA podcast. I'm Christopher Tyler. Alongside me, Luke Sicari. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Chris. It's um one week from today. The NBA oh. season tips off. Not the preseason. Not this so preseason sorry. rubbish. The official 2016-2017 NBA season tips off next week. It has been week. a very, very long off-season. Chris Silva, what's happening, buddy? Good, mate. Uh, you talk about a long off-season. I swear to God, the preseason seemed longer. It, it's just way too long. <laughs> Doesn't ever seem shorter. How much, how much actually... How much preseason hoops have you both watched? I've watched as much as I can, which hasn't been much. I haven't because I ha- you've been busy, or because you can't physically bear watching it. A bit of both. <laughs> I mean, I've been busy, but it's just you know what you don't want to watch too much because if you watch too much preseason, you fool yourself into thinking it's an yeah, accurate true. representation. I find that like when I'm you watching and D Wade, <laughs> I'm telling you it's happening. But um, no, I just find when I'm watching it, I'm I'm just praying that players don't get hurt. Yeah, like someone falls on the ground, I'm like please don't get yeah. hurt. Good yeah, call. last week, Marcus Gasol went off and everyone's like, oh, you know. So that's what I'm... They have to narrow down the amount of preseason well, games. Well, they have to, they? for sure. They that, that has, it has been talked a about. A week though. and a half, two weeks. They have, they have talked about it well, in, yeah. in the four, past. How, how, what would be the ideal amount of games? Four? Five? Uh, I, reckon, I reckon if you do four games, yeah, and then you bring the season forward, say, a week, and then that week you use during the season to have maybe less back-to-backs or something like that. Sure. Yeah. To, you know, I mean, it's something the Players Association have lobbied for for ages to yeah. get... I mean, the amount of games, I'm not sure if that's going to make much of a difference. Ideally, I would like to see it cut down to 70. Yeah. But, I mean... Throughout the season. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. No, it's not, because obviously... That'll got, never happen. you got the the money side of the financial... I thought we were strictly and, talking pre-season. The they should no, cut down well, pre-season. Yes, but it... That'll, again, impact the amount of money coming in, but of surely course. it wouldn't be too much. No, but I think if you, um, like Chris just mentioned, you... You shorten the preseason by a, a, a week or so, and then you add that extra week onto the regular season so you can spread out the games more, which gives it will um, decline the amount of rest players get in terms of them sitting out games because of just rest reasons, because they have more rest during the season. Yeah. And it probably creates a bit of product as well because players will be yeah. more rested. But that won't go down to 70. It's I doubt what we're it. talking about because yeah. the amount of money these guys are making, they're not going to, they're not going to, yeah. you know. Uh, relinquish that in exchange for nope. for less games. Nope it's not going to happen. So today we are going to be looking at the northeast nor- northwest division. Yes, northwest. I almost uh, stumbled over my words. Northwest division. I won't be participating too much in this one. I've got a bit of a cold. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I don't want to. A lot of times when you listen to podcasts, and you can tell that people have a cold. It's not the best thing. So I thought just for purely listening you purposes, like, uh, Jordan in the flu game today. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to sit. Except he didn't sit back. He did not sit back whatsoever. But I'm going to sit back. You two know what you're talking about. So we're going to get straight into it, and we're going to be uh, again going in alphabetical order. We're going to be starting off with a team that. Uh, I think a lot of people are pretty high on this. is probably not their year yet, but they've got a very young team and a very exciting team, and that is the Denver Nuggets. Luke, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I think the Denver Nuggets have kind of, as the longer the offseason has gone on, the more um, traction the Nuggets have got in terms of a potential playoff sleeper. I feel like the more more people are realizing that, hey, this team's building a pretty nice young core. Now, it is young. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this season. I don't have them in the playoffs because they are super, super young. But if you look at this, the names on this roster in terms of young talent, you've got um, a guy like Emmanuel Mudiay, who had a... Um, he struggled to start the season in his first two two months or so, but he came on after the All-Star break. Um, Nikola Jokic, he's got massive raps on him. He had an awesome Olympics. He looks like a future All-Star they draft guys like Malik Bleasley and Jamal Murray and Jan Hernan Gomez, who can probably contribute right away. You've got Gary Harris there. I mean, 
Will Barden off the bench, who showed his um, prolific scoring ability after the, um, off the bench last season. There's a lot of good pieces here. I mean, how it all meshes and blends, well, who knows yet. But they do look good for the future. They're one of those teams in the West in who uh, missed the playoffs last year, but are one of those bubble teams, I think. And I know me and you, Luke, we've spoken a lot about... Uh, we had a conversation about the Denver Nuggets before, and it's a team where... A lot of people, whoever talks about them, says they're not quite sure. We don't. We're not really sure what. Because I, I know I said that I thought that their this season would be a win now season for them, and, and you didn't agree with that. No, I don't agree. Just because you look at the um, you look at all the draft picks they've got. Like you look at even their off season, and it was all just draft picks, right? They're just yeah. acquiring draft picks. Um, they drafted four kids this year. I don't see this season as a playoff year, which kind of presents the question that I've been thinking about in my head for a long time. You look at guys like, you look at their top three paid plays on their roster. It's Danilo Gallinari, Kenneth Fareed, and Wilson Chandler. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I look at, if I'm the Denver Nuggets, I'm looking at those guys. And as good as they are, well, you know, as good as Gallinari, Gallinari is a fringe all-star. Fareed is an energy guy off the bench. And Chandler is just a solid all-around guy. I look at those, and to me, I think trade bait. I think those guys you can give up for future draft picks and just young talent as opposed to keeping them around. If you keep them around, you win maybe, what, five more games? Five more games, yeah, something like that. Is it really worth it? Yeah, it's it's a weird trade-off, isn't it? I think with those three, you have to look at their ages. So you look at Chandler, who's missed a lot of basketball, is yeah, 29. Uh, Gallinari's 28, and... Farid's a bit younger in 20, uh, 26, sorry. And then you have to look at, uh, I know I we speak about this all the time, but if you want to trade someone, there needs to be a market. So who, out of those three, you know, how you got Chandler, a guy who can probably play the three and the four. He's very versatile. Very versatile. And I would say Gallinari's probably the same. And there's a, it's a league at the moment where teams are crying out for w- wing players, you know, Real three and D guys, and I, I think someone like Gallinari could be. We spoke about the Clippers last week. I think he'd be an excellent fit there. So, um, it's just a matter of I think Denver. They have to decide where which direction they're going in, and then. But like you said, they've got terrific young pieces there, and I think even Jamal Murray, um, who you mentioned before, yeah. he he should be an excellent pro. He should, and. I mean, as you just mentioned, you've got to figure out the direction. But Tim Connolly, their GM, he has um, mentioned in the past that it is more leaning towards a youth rebuild, which is what it looks like based on all their acquisitions over the past few off-season. And, I mean, personally, I feel, based going back to the trades, I think Gallinari would have the most value because this is a guy that can give you 15 to 20 points a night. He can shoot. He can play make. He can put it on the floor when he needs to. You're not going to lose a whole lot with him on the floor defensively. He's got good length. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the floor? Can he stay healthy? He's had um, injury issues in the past. That, that's a major question mark. And even a guy like Kenneth Fareed, I mean, he isn't. He he gets. He's a weird one, Kenneth Fareed, because I think what he showed at the um, 2014 World Cup of Basketball or 2015, he was um, he was so so good. And he got that massive contract off the back of it. But he's kind of come down to earth a little bit since then. But I, you look at Fareed, he's a guy that he's a great rebounder. He's full of energy and he can play defense. You put him in a pick and roll, you have him roll to the basket, he can finish a dunk. 
Those guy types types of guys off the bench, they find a spot in this league. I think there should be a market for Farid out there. Do you think is Farid a starter for you, or or is he a is his best role being sort of like a? I know he, I know he's starting now, but Tristan Thompson, what he was for the Cavs. Um, I think it's he can definitely start on a lot of teams. He's def- but does he start on a championship team? Probably not. I probably lean towards no. I mean, obviously it depends on their situation, that team. Yeah. But I mean, you'd probably lean towards no. He's probably your first big off the bench. I'd yeah, say absolutely is, is the best position for Freed. Yeah, and he's it's this it's the skill set of you want that instant energy off the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want that that guy who's gonna he's gonna play great defense. He's gonna rebound. You want that off the bench. And he doesn't doesn't necessarily need the ball. To, no, to he do doesn't. what he does, he's not he gonna. He's not gonna um, take away offensive possessions. Yeah, exactly. So, what are your predictions for uh, for the um, the Nuggets? The Nuggets. I have the Nuggets last in the division and eleventh in the conference. Yeah, I'm probably about the same. Yeah, yep. it, It's a year for player development and not wins, oh, exactly which is fine. Same. Which is fine. I got them twelfth. They could easily be eleventh. Eleventh and twelfth, I think, is pretty accurate. But again, that's not saying that they're not going to be. A fun team to watch. I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch. And they were also very well coached as well by Mike Malone. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But it is a tough division to play a part of, and we will touch on it as we go through all these teams. This is a tough division. So being in the bottom of this division doesn't mean that you're going to be a terrible it's, side. It's not like being in the bottom of the Atlantic. Exactly. <laughs> that's bad if that's happening. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Now, this is another young side that I think everyone is looking forward to this year, and they could be a smoky for a playoffs berth, hopefully. And I say hopefully, I'm not a, I'm not a Minnesota fan, but it'd just be fun to watch the young blokes getting some postseason action, and that is the uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Every year we see a team that just attracts so, so much hype and anticipation over the offseason. And this is the one. This is the one, to a T. And rightfully so, because you look at the Wolves, and it they're just... It's one of the best collections of young talent we have seen in a very long time. Is it is it the best you've seen since probably the Thunder in '09? With uh, in terms of a s- Durant, Westbrook, uh, Harden, Harden, and Serge Ibaka. I mean, it's up there. Just be- in terms of just super, like flat out superstar talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can. I think we can pretty comfortably say that Carl Ta- Anthony Towns and Andrew Riggins are going to be all stars in the future. Mm. Maybe. As early as this season for Anthony Towns, maybe it's a possibility. Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, yeah, yeah. possibly. Um, I mean, and even like even past those two guys, like Zach Levine, who showed at the back end of last season, the guy can score. Um, and then even Chris Dunn that they drafted, he's just ready made for this Wolves team, and um, he's ready made for Tom Thibodeau's system as well, which is we know how great of a defensive coach he is, Chris Stein is all defense. That's what he's going to bring to the table right away. And this team, even though they've got so much talent at the top end of their team, they're not a team that is going to drop off because they've got very good depth as well. And an underrated acquisition that they actually got this summer, which I really liked, was um, Brandon Rush from Golden State. And I think he'll play the backup three. He's a great shooter as well. So pairing him with either if it's Rubio or Dunn is going to give him a a great shooting option as well as they've got Bielitsa, Shabazz Muhammad, who's... A, he's showing last yeah, year as well. He, he, he can do stuff. He's, he he's a future, probably sixth man of the year candidate. He was really good last year. Um, and they've got another very good uh, young big in Gorgi Cheng as well. Yes, yes. I mean, like we said, the young core, and you mentioned some of their names there, it's it's stunning. 
I think with this team, something they do need to figure out is what they do with the point guard spot. Yeah. So we mentioned Chris Dunn, who's going to be sensational. Does, does Chris Dunn make Ricky Rubio expandable? Because I look at Ruby, Ricky Rubio, and I think he's this one of the most polarizing players in the league. I mean, he came in... It came in with all the hype coming in from Spain as a big international star. There were big raps for him. And I think a lot of people have almost been a little disappointed because he hasn't turned into a scorer, but he's not a scorer. And the kid's only 25, so he's still young. You'd think he's been around for years. Ricky Rubio is 25 years old. He's an unbelievable playmaker. His passing ability, we know how good it is. And he's a really, really strong perimeter defender as well. He can lock down guys. Now... He's not going to score, like I mentioned, and he's not a great long-range shooter, which, it, albeit, is improving, his three-point shot, but it's not really something you want at the moment. Does Chris Dunn coming in make Rubio expandable, or will it just enhance him and make the Wolves have a, a strong point guard one-two punch? I think I lean towards the latter, just because we've seen with Tom Thibodeau in the past, he's very reluctant to put large amounts of responsibility on, on rookies. Yeah. And... I I just don't see him, especially with uh, Rubio being the defender that he is. I think if Rubio wasn't as uh, proficient on the defensive end, then you might have seen Tibbs move away. But we know how much Tibbs uh, prioritizes uh, defense. So it's I his calling card. Yeah, exactly. So my question with the Timberwolves is, with when you have a player like Rubio, who's who is he is limited offensively. Um, you know, he's not a, not a shooter as as everyone knows. Does the presence of him be not being a scoring option, I guess, cap your potential? Um, it does to an extent individually, but on this team, does it will does it really when you've got Towns, Wiggins, and Levine? You know, Towns is a twenty plus points per night scorer, as is Wiggins, and Levine can get in the fifteen to eighteen point range. So does he need to go? Does Rubio need to go out and score fifteen plus? No, he doesn't. Yeah. Would would you want him to? Of course, anyone's going to want more points. But is it really necessary for him to hold a spot? Absolutely not. Yeah, and um, that's why I think they'll probably be hesitant to. It's it's not a smart thing to do. Is like you said, he's twenty five years old. Just just to trade him away for, and again, like, what are you going to get back? Yeah, of course, um, and. and yeah, I think another quick thing on this Wolves team is um, we know um, Tom Thibodeau had a messy breakup with Chicago. One of the reasons being how hard and outworked he trained his players and coached them. You just hope that he doesn't wear out these young these young Wolves too quickly. I don't think he will, but we've seen in the past that he has... He has a track record of doing that. He's an old school coach. I think the year off helped him a little bit because he was able to go to a lot of other franchises and kind of learn under different coaches and learn different philosophies. I think that would kind of help him out a little bit in that in that area of, of yeah, yeah, coaching. Yeah, for sure. And then even seeing how it ended, how that all went down in Chicago, now he knows, well, maybe I can't push him this much. Maybe just hold back a little bit. So I think that's a question mark. It's not a massive one. But I think for me, the Wolves, the reason I have him out of the playoffs is simply just because the the youth. You, I mean, Towns is twenty years old, Wiggins twenty one, Levine twenty one, Chris Dunn's twenty two, Rubio's twenty five. Youth doesn't win games in the NBA. It, historically, teams that young don't necessarily go out and win forty five plus. Isn't it amazing that Chris Dunn, who was drafted this year, is older than all 
their young other younger guys. Yeah. I found that out a few weeks ago, and I, I I was just amazed by that. Well, Minnesota has nine players born in the nineties. <laughs> that's how um that's how that's young good. they are. Uh, if if you're any team looking to the future, oh. they are the team with the most amount of assets. You could say Definitely. in five, six years' time, they are primed for where we, we where we want to be. And I think this is the team. If you're looking forward, extrapolating maybe say five years in the Western Conference. Now, granted, I know the NBA is very fragile, and you know things can change overnight. Right, something could happen right now. But this this seems to be the team that. Possibly when they top out their potential can can really uh, match up with the Warriors, I think. Because for me to match up with Golden State, you need to have uh, one, a good wing defender, someone who can defend point guards, uh, number two, and then a really skilled big. And I think these guys have all three in, obviously, Wiggins, Towns, and I don't know if Rubio's the guy that, that that is there as their starting point guard when they're topping out their potential, but... Uh, They've got, yeah, the sky's the limit for this team. So where would you have them this year? I have them um, fourth in the in the division and 10th in the conference. I have them, I actually have them eighth. I think they're, I think... Yeah, they're in. Yeah, I think they're in for the me. The Wolves are in. I think the Wolves are in. Um, so I have them eighth and I'll have them fourth in what is a very strong division. Yeah, I've got them fourth in division as well and I'll split the difference between, between the two of you and I'll say they'll finish ninth. Yep. So I've got eighth, ninth and tenth. Which is a good place to be for where they are in yes. terms of their youth profile. So around about then, let's move on to the OKC Thunder. Now normally, in the last few years when we would have been talking about the OKC Thunder, you would have just about locked them in for a top, sport, top four spot if you knew they would have been healthy. Not so the case this year. I don't know if you guys heard. Kevin Durant no longer plays for them. What? Breaking news. Where Breaking did he go? Kevin Durant. Where did he hearing get? sources say he's gone to the Warriors. Wow. Uh, that is obviously a massive, massive loss for the Thunder. We're breaking news here. Today. <laughs> it is now officially all Russ's team. He's going to take about 30, 40 shots a game, probably hit about 30, 35% of them. How do you think the Thunder will fare playing that type of basketball? Um, It's... It's really just a classic question. It's how do you move on when a top three player, best one of the best scorers in the league, moves on? How do you how do you pick up the pieces of what Durant's departure has left? Now, obviously, the big um, the, the the popular view is now well, Westbrook's is going to explode. He's going to be putting up, as you said, Chris. He's going to be putting up thirty shots a night. Maybe not thirty, but he's video gonna be, game numbers. Maybe forty. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be in that range of like 25, 30, where it's just going to be, he's going to be jacking up everything. But it's it, it's proving in the past that having one guy as good as Westbrook is, I mean, his numbers this year are going to be sensational. He's going to be in the MVP conversation. But can you win in the playoffs with one guy having so much of an offensive load and most likely it won't be as effective as you'd like it. Can you win with just that one superstar just going berserk and everyone else just chipping in slightly? The 2001 Sixers say yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah. League's changed. Exactly right, Luke. And um, that, that's a big question with OKC. We know Russ. We know who Russ is. You know he He's going to believe in his head that I can defeat the Warriors by myself. And that's just <laughs> how he's wired. And... That's why we love him so much, but yet he's so maddening to so many basketball people um, around. And I think this team does that cap their potential. I don't. I, don't, 
Um, I don't know. I would say so because you only go as far as superstars take you. Yeah. It's a superstars league. You only go, and now the fund's only got one superstar. You'd probably need three superstars to even get close to a championship this year. So if you put it in that terms, things uh, seem pretty pretty bleak for them. And they're not that bleak, but I think where um, OKC is going to to feel the effect of the Durant departure the most is at the start and end of games. Yeah. So Durant was the second best first first quarter scorer in the league last year. He had 8.3, po- 8.3 points in the first quarter on 53% shooting. So he came out and gave the Thunder an immediate effective punch. Now, when Russ comes out, he's still going to give you that punch because he's still going to shoot all those shots, but is he going to is he going to hit him at a 53% clip? Probably Especially not. when you'd have to defend KD now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of your when when when, uh, when KD turns into Andre Robeson, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. pretty much. It's just there's no other option. So he's just going to be so... It's going to be almost tunnel vision when he's with the ball sometimes. And this isn't to... It sounds like we're maybe degrading Westbrook. We're absolutely not because we know he's an amazing talent, but that's the way he plays. I mean, we saw how he did it with Durant. Imagine what he's going to do without Durant. And then obviously in the clutch situations, this is something that got a lot of people frustrated at Oklahoma City is how much Westbrook would almost take the ball off Durant in the clutch how he would almost just force so many shots in the last two minutes when he didn't need to. Just silly shots. And now when you don't have Durant as that blanket, as that policy you can pass to, it might just get even worse. Yeah, when I look at this team, I think everyone... I mean, when when Durant left, the reaction was to say, okay, OKC's out of the playoffs, right? But I actually think they're still a very good team. Like, you look at... Guys, they acquired Victor Oladipo this year. Yeah, which and you get to, yeah. With him and Westbrook together, that has the potential to be probably the most athletic backcourt in the entire NBA for, for me. And Oladipo's a guy that... We know Westbrook, he's, his effort on the defensive end is always great. That yeah. that can't be questioned. But he's a bit erratic in that he goes for steals a lot and, and gambles a lot and off, can often be caught out of position. I think having a guy like Oladipo there next to him allows them to, for Robeson to now say they're matched up against Warriors to defend, you know, the the big wing in Durant, and they've got Stephen Adams, who's a terrific big man, um, who we, we haven't talked about, and he was excellent last year in the playoffs when when uh, he was on the court. They had an offensive rating of one thirty one, which, which is, is just out of this world. It's out a of this ridiculous world. number. Yeah, so for him to be an option rolling to the basket, I think is a is a great option for them. And we Thunder. know what um, Adams brings defensively as well. He's tough. He gives him a physical presence around the basket. Yeah. Um, getting back on Oladipo, I think it's gonna. I think this year we're probably gonna get a more accurate representation of who this guy is. I feel like in Orlando, he obviously hasn't been on a good team. And his shooting percentages haven't been that great. They've just they've been around average throughout his career. But you look at the quality of shots he was getting in Orlando. He had no one really setting him up for good shots. He was the guy, which he isn't. He's not a great scorer. And we know um his his long range shooting isn't all there yet, even though it, it is getting improved it's improving year on year. I think like you said, defensively is where he makes his money, Old Depot. So he's gonna be able to assist Westbrook defensively, but I just wonder if we see with the defensive attention that Westbrook's going to get, do we see a more efficient Victor Oladipo in terms of the quality of shots he's going to get? Yeah, I I think 
if you look at this team and the lack of shooting, I think he might be a guy that gets a lot more catch-and-shoot opportunities than he got at uh, Orlando. Um, but for me, the him and also Ersan Ilyasova, I think those two are probably, for me, their they're best shooters on, on the team at the moment. Would, would you guys agree? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Yep. Yeah, so... I think this team, they're actually going to be, for me, better defensively than they are offensively. And I think when you're looking at how good a t- team is, you have to look at you know, where do they rank both offensively and defensively, right? So for me, the Thunder, potentially, they have they have the potential to be a top 10 defense um, in the league with with the perimeter guys that they have in Robeson, who I, sh- I think should be a, a all all defense candidate this year. Definitely, if not first team, second team. And Adams, who's one of the better young big men, and we mentioned Oladipo as well. But it's it's offensively, have they got another guy that is going to be a consistent scorer and probably another guy who's going to see a lot more lot more shots, a lot more time with the ball in, in possession is going to be Ennis Cantor this yeah. year. And it's funny with Cantor because... When he comes on, that defense drops off. Yeah, because he is such a liability defensively. And let's not forget as well, we, they lost Sergi Barker over the offseason too. He was another guy was that you could part. plug in for sixteen points a night that they've lost. So and he was a floor spacer as well. He was, and we know he was very good defensively as well. Now Cantor will probably plug in and give you those fifteen points a night, but that's going to be off the bench and. We know defensively he's just... You want to try and get him matched up against backup centers where it doesn't expose him that much, where they can't exploit his weaknesses with top with starters. But, I mean, Kent is one of those guys. He's almost... He can sometimes... What he gives you doesn't make up for what he gives away. What he costs you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really add up. He's that type of center that we've, we've spoken about, I feel like, every episode. <laughs> this center There's that, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, that... They're back to the basket. They're really good scorers, but they just t- d- subtract too much on the defensive end to really be be an overall plus. So where do we think the Oklahoma City Thunder will end up this year? I have them third in the division and seventh in the conference. They're still making the playoffs because Westbrook is still going to lead them to at least, oh, you'd say 38 to 40, oh, maybe uh, over 40 wins, we'll put. Yeah, I, I, I still think, this team can win between 45 and 50, actually. I, mm, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe I, best case. Yeah, best case, I would say, de- like, 45 wins. Um, so probably around, that would probably get you the sixth seed and probably second or third in the division. They, I reckon best, best, absolute best case, Westbrook wins MVP scenario, you could get 50. 50? If Westbrook wins yeah. the MVP. That, that. That's the absolute... Best. As it stands, though, I've got him at, f- at, uh, at third in the division and and uh, sorry, it's, yeah, third in the division and eighth overall. So they're yeah. still making the playoffs in my book, just yeah. ahead of the Timberwolves, who I had at ninth. Yeah, I think they should still be there. I think you're right; they should still be in the mix for the playoffs. But I I can't see them taking even a game off uh, off the Warriors. Yeah, no. the for, for them to drop out of the playoffs, you got to think who's coming in. And I don't think there's enough teams under them that yeah, are so really like pushing Timberwolves them. nine, Mavs ten, Pelicans eleven, Nuggets twelve. Yeah, I'm still taking the Thunder. Yeah, I think over I am all as those well. guys. Yeah, just we'll see how they go. Anyway, let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Now, Portland is kind of one of these teams, along with Utah, that are a somewhat sexy pick for a top four 
in the West. They had a, a year that I don't think many people were expecting last year. They really played well in the playoffs. I think a lot better than uh, anyone was really expecting from them. What can they do this year, boys? Can they be a team that can make that top four run? Um, yes, I think they can. They were definitely a team last year that just um, came out of nowhere in terms of... I had them out of the playoffs. I had them in the... Um, this has got a bit of egg on my face here, but last season I had him in the bottom three in the West. I just I don't think, I don't I think look, you would have been alone, Luke. No, because the roster yeah. was just full of misfits. Yeah, just a bunch of random guys. Yes, they were young, but they were like thrown together the last minute, just chucked them into a mix and blended it all together. <laughs> it blended out quite nicely because they made the second round of the playoffs and gave the Warriors a run for, a run for their money. And so now you look at this team. It's the ma- it's the fact of okay, you've shown how good you can be. Now get better. Yep. Now you've got to match that. You've got to you've got to be better than what you were. And they didn't really improve that much over the offseason. Obviously, the Evan Turner signing was probably the biggest one, which has a lot of people a tad confused because mm. does he really fit within this roster? I'm not sure. But I mean, it all starts with Lillard and McCullum. That that that's where starts it starts and ends. Yeah, are they yeah. are they top three backcourt in the NBA? <sighs> Um, so you're saying Golden State had Golden State one Who's two Washington, Washington Raptors or Washington Washington would be up there Toronto would be up there um, Oh look I think Portland would uh, They would be in the conversation Bulls <laughs> in The Bulls Back in Exactly <laughs> They're a bit late But, but they're good uh, they're, the, they're the brand name Backcourt Yes, did a marketing backcourt yeah, for your time. marketing team. <laughs> the marketing team in Chicago is laughing. No, I reckon I could, yeah. You could sell me on third. It, it's conceivable. You Absolutely. sell me on third. Um, behind, I'd put them behind the Raptors duo and yes. ahead of Washington's. Yeah, I think so. Especially yeah. with uh, the question marks with Bradley Beal. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what he's going to become. Yeah, so. but you could sell, sell me on third. You could sell me on third. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's really interesting because this is a duo that... Um, so you've got Lillard, who's obviously an unbelievable scorer. Absolutely unbelievable. And he does it in a real effect. He does it in a pretty effective manner as well. I mean, we just finished talking about uh, Westbrook. You think about Lillard. He's Can we pro- just refer to him as Dame, please? Dame, okay. Dame, do- Dame Dollar. Dame, Dame Dollar, all please. Right. Dame it is. No Lillard's here, all right? We should have had, one, Lillard, we had one of his raps. We should have. We, <laughs> we could have it in, but I can't be bothered. Regrets. Yeah. Um, so you looked at, um, we talked about Westbrook just before. Now you look at Dame. And uh, very good. <laughs> um, it's almost that same type of player in As a way. As Chris glares at you from across the desk. <laughs> I mean, it's almost that. Sli- you just think about the player in a vacuum. Unbelievable scoring ability. Um, I think he can get a bit more efficient, though. For me, he can get more efficient, but he, you see, he takes good shots sometimes. Yeah. And then you have um, on the fe- on the defensive end, we know Dame's not at the level that Westbrook is, mm-hmm. and he's probably still a negative defender on that end. Yeah. So that's going to be an issue because on as a whole this Portland team didn't get many defensive stops last year. I think out of their 11 playoff games, 8 of them the opposing team scored over 100 points. Mm. You can't they're, be they're very, that is not a winning formula very in the run playoffs. and gun aren't they? Yeah, they're very they we've talked about it a few times throughout these um division previews about league pass teams and entertainment value teams. This is one of them. This is one. And and a reason why they are as well is they've got a terrific home court. They've got a terrific yeah. home court advantage. At I still call it the Rose Garden. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> it's still the Rose Garden in my in my eyes. But a fantastic home court, which is actually very underrated in in today's league. In in a league where you know 
a lot of teams we talk about guy not countries, cities like Atlanta <laughs> where they don't even fill out half the time. But this Portland team who last year, you know, they came into the season and like you said, we didn't expect a lot from them. Yet they sold out every single night and they're a hard team to beat at home. And when when you win your games at home, you, you're going to be a good team. And I think this team, I don't know about the Evan Turner thing. I, just, I think it's uh, a big question. Does he... That does he fit? I mean, he doesn't fit. Of, he doesn't fit with the starters for me. I think his best best role is what he did in Boston, which is with, if I'm not mistaken, did he play with the bench in Boston? Yeah, a lot, a lot of the time, I think he, he did start a little bit. I can't remember exactly what he yeah, did because he, he needs a ball in his could, hand, right? Yeah, well, he could he could fill every role. That was the thing. He could play the one. He could play yeah. the two. He could play the three. He's he a re- play he's, on ball. He could play off ball. Yeah, he's a real like glue guy. But I'd say off the bench for him, and that that's the issue as well that. He needs the ball because he can't shoot. He hasn't got a very good catch-and-shoot game. You look at Portland, you're not going to still touches off Dame and McKillum. Uh, McCullum, yeah. excuse yeah. me excuse me there. You're not, <laughs> you're McKillum. Not, excuse me. You're not going to... That's a cool name as well, yeah. actually, McKillum. <laughs> did, we just, did we just stumble on a nickname? Uh, we might Does all. Does CJ have a nickname? Oh, I don't know, and now he does. Um... <laughs> You're not going to still touches off those of those two. Yeah, I'll I'll still rather have either Aminu or Crab starting. Yeah, because Crab's a good shooter. Yeah, and Aminu can shoot as well, and Aminu's a good defender as well. Yeah. So just last season, uh, Evan Turner played 81 games for the Celtics, started 12. Yeah. The year before that, he played 82 and started 57. Right. So he's been predominantly both, a bench player, yeah, yeah. especially the second year. Yeah. So you'd imagine that would be the same in. In Portland, but you know what? It kind of represents a larger problem at Hull for the Blazers is that um, who's the third offensive option? So we mentioned it before. You really need three superstars to try and win a title when you consider who you're contending against the Warriors and the Cavs who have their big threes, mm. big four in Golden State's case. You need you can't really rely on two players as much as the Blazers do. So who's that guy who's going to pop up and give you 15 points a night? Can I say that? Yeah, I, go for it. I'm posing I've got a question. Amazing hot take, Luke. <laughs> I don't think they've got the best the best guy on championship team. He's not on the roster yet. I don't think. What I do think this team's they've they've signed all these guys. Uh, you mentioned Alan Crabb. They signed to a big deal as well. Signed Evan Turner to a big deal. Yeah. I think they've positioned themselves with the cap going forward and increasing more next year as well. They've positioned their, themselves to make a big trade. Should should a big name, a la DeMarcus Cousins or or a Blake Griffin, should that eventuate? I think Portland's put themselves in position where they can say, "Hey, we we got pieces to give you give to you guys in return." What about Lamarcus Aldridge, whose name has kind of been floated <laughs> about recently? A return? Yeah. I'm sure that would open him. I'd welcome him back for open arms. They, and would he do you, that? You talk about this team, and he'd be a really nice fit. <laughs> he really would. Now that they've got pieces around him, now that they've got additional pieces. Yeah. But, is that being stupid? Oh, I don't. Do I don't, know, I don't think it would happen. But I mean, again, it's I, nice I, in, I don't in know hypothetical. If, I don't know if Lamarcus is is good enough to be. The number one guy on the championship team. Well, but he Dame wouldn't would be. be. He wouldn't be. It'd be Dame. Is Dame good enough? Yep. Yep. Uh, if you put the right, his type of guy, he needs the right pieces around him. Individually, he's not. Just because of, you think he's just yes. because yep. of the yep. defensive end, not because of his scoring ability. Just because you can't have a guy giving up that much defensively. Yeah. But if you, you surround the him, team around it, you can hide him. Of course, but mm. Portland don't really have that because they're not a great defensive team, which is the issue yeah. at hand. So we're just working with hypotheticals here. We look at the actual roster. You look at last year, 
I mean, their second best, uh, their third best leading scorer, excuse me, was Alan Crabb, 10 points a night. You need that third guy to be at least at the 15-point mark, don't you? To have, a, to have a shot. Does anyone on this roster really say, oh, yes, like they're going to, you know, they, they're going to get 15 points a night. I can't see it at the moment. Um, so, something that will help them on the defensive end is the signing of Fessus Azuli. I think. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's him. a very, yeah. very underrated signing. Just picking up the pieces of um, the Golden State um, garage sale from signing <laughs> Kevin Durant. The Durant sale. Yeah, the Durant sale. Yeah. Picking up Festus Azili. It's really interesting, this Portland team, because you look at a guy like Azili, um, Alfred Rukaminu, and even Evan Turner, they're all pretty good defensively. Like, they're all okay individually mm. on the defensive end, but they just, it hasn't really meshed They've yet. got a nice uh, rotation of young bigs. You Noah yeah. Vonley, Myers Leonard, who's a very good shooter yeah. for for a big. Um, they're they're certainly one to watch. I think they're one to watch. The, the the thing for me with this team, I think, is last year they were so good and they were kind of like the darlings of the league. This year they got expectation, and I think that's that big, you know, performing when you're expected to perform. It's a mental thing, yeah, which we can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. based on what we've seen, we know Dame loves the big moments. He's, 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 not scared. Uh, he's not scared. I don't think McCollum is either. No. Um, but so, yeah, they're definitely one to watch. Do either of you guys have them in the top four? I've got them fourth. At first in the division. Because uh, this, I, I love... Yep. I, spot on. I think uh, it, it will need to see a better defensive unit. I think it will happen. I think they're fifth. I don't have them quite in the top four. Okay. And first or second in the division? Uh, second. And I'm assuming the team that you have first... Well, is considering the it's the only about. team we've got left. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the Utah Jazz. Another sexy mm. pick for you talk about, top four. You talk it's a about sexy division. You talk about sexy, sexy teams. Division. This is the, the sexiest. <laughs> this is the sexiest, most indie indie uh, team that that you know everyone All loves. All five of these teams would be league pass teams. So you're telling me this is a league pass division. You're telling me this is a you, league pass division. This is the the number one ranked league pass division. <laughs> you're telling me it's an indie team, so they're going to be watching the games with their uh, a skinny latte and a smashed avocado on toast. Is that the, in, in Brunswick? <laughs> is that is that is this the Utah following we've got here? You know they've got some they've got some flash new uniforms as well and a nice call. Very yeah, nice. When you uniform. go to Utah, the first thing that comes to mind is hipster. Yeah, <laughs> Christ. But yeah, yeah well, I, I do. I do dig the uniforms. Back to basketball. Yeah, the Utah, <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. Okay. The, um, I mean, the Utah Jazz. They have. You look at the again. It's just the talent is there. Haywood, Gobert, Derek Favors. That that's your fruit. That's your mm-hmm. core there. Your youth core, or maybe I mean, you got a guy like Haywood is kind of nearly entering his prime. But and then you yeah, he's coming to the Celtics. Ooh. Okay, you heard it here first. Um, I can see that, by the way. Yeah, this is it, it's the Brad we Stevens talk about that connection, time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, end of the year, he'll be a Celtic. End of the year? Yeah. So you say Utah through. trades Gordon Haywood? Yeah, halfway through. You reckon? Hey. Yep. I don't know. Not if they're... I mean, obviously, he's missing the first um, month or so. You know, you know what? I see that. You know why? He's missing the first half of the year, right? Oh, so not first half, he's but got, he'll be, he's, he's, missing, he's missing a significant portion of time, He'll be back yeah? probably mid to late November, so he'll miss at least 15, 20 games. I reckon this team fills his spot with Rodney Hood, right? Rodney Hood. I love Rodney Hood. Well, Rodney Hood. A lot of people love I Rodney wanted, Hood, yeah? I wanted, I wanted the Celtics to draft Rodney Hood when we ended up getting James Young. Right. That was a pick I was really petitioning to pick up Rodney Hood because I watched him a lot in college and thought his game was awesome. And it was perfect, a lot, perfect the, for the NBA. The thing, the, the reason why I went James Young in the end, I think, was the upside factor because mm. Hood, I think, had played two or three or 
even four. I can't remember how many years in college. He played multiple years in college. Yeah. And James Young was the youngest bloke in the draft. So in the end, that's what it came down to. But I'm a big fan of Rodney Hood's game. And they've used Rodney Hood a lot as the finisher. Like he's taken in tight games. And this team was very unlucky, in, if you can say unlucky, in tight games last year. They... They lost a number of them. I think two I can remember against Golden State. They were right there to win. And unfortunately, they came up short and the youth kind of cost them. The only um, thing I remember from them is that last game against Kobe. <laughs> I, I've chosen not to remember that. <laughs> Why would you choose not to remember that? <laughs> that was, from, from looking through my youth mate, That day was the number one day of basketball in a long, long time. You'll never see that again. the Golden State. you never see that again. That was the... What a day. That was a day. It was made for NBA Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> on fire that day. It was. But yeah, you, just back to Chris's theory, I, I could definitely see it because you th- think about this team and they're, they're a team that can potentially stay stay afloat and not only just stay afloat but be really good while Hayward's still recovering because they got a guy like Hood there. And they added Iso Joe this year who... A lot of people have gone gone off him, but for a young team like this, having a guy like that who's proven to be able to be clutch in, in late situations, I think will help them as well. And, and obviously to be a scorer off the bench. And they also added uh, Boris Diaw as well. Yeah, and you've probably missed the, the sign that will have the most impact, that's George Hill. Oh, yeah. He's going to be absolutely awesome because point guard play was an issue last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they bring in George Hill, who's probably, he's a, top 50 guy that doesn't get noticed a lot. Who, who can forget the year that poor George was out? George he, Hill he was, was great. sensational. He's he, he's a very good long-range He's just shooter. what this team needed, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he's an awesome defender. He just fits right in. And then now you look at their point guard position and all of a sudden it looks okay because you've got Hill heading it up. Then you've got... Um, Exum's back. Exum, and he's playing well in the preseason. And even Shelvin Mack. I thought preseason didn't matter, Luke. No. <laughs> No, it got you. not if you watch it every <laughs> minute of the day. But but look, it's, right, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's, no, right, right. Like, you'd rather be good in preseason than shit in preseason. And let's not forget, exactly. for someone like Exum, though, it's his first action since nah, the it's ACL. big, it's big. So it does mean a little bit to him just to see how he responds to that knee, yeah. which looked good. He's looked good. And even Shavon Maxson have a pretty good backup at the point guard spot. And we all know in this league you need a good you need a good point guard. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a necessity. You don't have a good point guard, you're not... And more than a good point guard, you need a... Good point guard that can defend other point guards. Yeah. And, George and George Hill has shown he has done that time and time again. He's a absolute pit bull on that end. And yeah. I think he devoured Kyle Lowry last year in the playoffs in the in that seven game bloodbath uh in the Eastern Conference. And you mentioned him as well. Uh, and I think that's just why they they might be able to do well without Hayward. They He's a, he's kind of a luxury even maybe for this team if that's a, that might be a stretch but mm, so maybe got, I mean I just think hey I think you might be underselling Gordon Haywood a little bit I, I he's so so he is no to he, his he team. is very good and it's um it's what he does offensively he's he's very you can almost plug him into any spot yeah. or any role and he's going to do that that role well he's going to do it efficiently defensively he's not really a plus he kind of just breaks even on the defensive mm. end but you know but what with, but, but with the other guys that they've got on this exactly. team you don't need him to be a lockdown right. so you don't Hill need on, him to be Tony Allen yeah because you've got Hill in the perimeter you've got Rudy Gobert back in who we need to get touch on as well and Rudy favors Gobert. as well yeah so yeah. he doesn't if he breaks even on that and that's fine 
I just think, I mean, he's a good shooter. He can take it to the basket. You can put him in any position, and he's not. He's good. I don't. He's a near. It's a fringe all star. He's a near all star. So I reckon. I mean, it's a it's a big loss for the first um, uh, half a month, whatever you want to say. He's going to be out for it. No one knows yet. But I mean, they do have people who can replace him, but not no way. I mean, if they don't have Haywood, they're just maybe making the playoffs. Mm. And speaking of Gobert, he's going to be special. Ooh. This is this is a kid yeah. that can just ball out on the defensive end. Him he, around the basket, sensational. If he can add some sort of offensive game to his to his repertoire, he he could be a, a potential yeah. MVP. But candidate. you look at the moment, look at their team. You got Hill can score. You got Hood and Alec Burks as well. They can yeah. score on the wings. Haywood can score. Joe Johnson can score. Derek Favors can score. Trey Even, Lyles, yeah, Trey Lyles for the bench. Dial is going to be a good playmaker. Alec Burks. Yeah, mention Alec Burks. Yeah, all you need is uh, Gobert Jingles. grabbing offensive. Yeah, jo- Joe Ingles. Jingles. How could we forget one of our favorites? <laughs> Joe Ingles. He's going to be a very reliable player. Yeah. All you need is Gobert to grab offensive rebounds and dunk. Right. Put him in a pick and roll and dunk. You look at the. He's got offensive weapons around him. Where obviously you want him to develop an offensive game. He probably does. He need to. I'm not sure with the team around him. Mm. And again, I don't want you to refer to him as Gobert anymore. He's the Stifle Tower. The right? Stifle. Is this the? So or we're the, just going all nicknames now. Is it Stifle so. Tower or French Rejection? I've seen that one as well. Uh, I prefer Stifle Tower. Sti- I haven't heard French Rejection. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter the other day. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. <laughs> guys, where have you got these guys? I'm a big fan of the Utah Jazz. So yes. I, I have them the first in the division, and I actually have them top four. Wow, so fourth? Yeah. Yeah, I've got them second behind Paul, and I've put them sixth in the conference. So Again, I'll split the difference, so I'll go fifth. fifth. Yeah. <laughs> So it's all in, um, in symmetry here. We're yeah, it is. We're all pretty sync. close. Yes. Uh, our offenses, um, but we're on all agreeing that it is a good division. It's a fun, it's gonna be a fun division. There's going to be is a lot the, of good. Is it division. the best division? No, there was a, what division did we do the other day that was pretty gem packed as well? I can't remember. The central looks okay. Central's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you have. It's I mean, pretty good though. The, the Pacific looks pretty fun. Yeah. With the Warriors and the Clippers. There's a big drop. But there's off a big after drop that. off. This is probably the most consistent division. Yeah. In terms of audit, you could make a, con- a a reasonable case that all these teams are making the playoffs. Absolutely, like individually. Oh, you could you could it's, push me to the edge. You could say, oh, you could reasonably say they'd all be in the top ten, maybe. Mm, top you 10 could push me to the edge of eighth, but nothing further. But again, it's more than that's if Gallinari like balls out. Yeah, yeah, and the rook is making a name. It's it's all about internal development. Mm. If there's enough development there, you could push me. That's that's the case for a lot of these teams, isn't it? It's internal development because most of them are pretty young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the show today, boys. Thank you again, Luke. As always, where can we where, where can we read all of your stuff? Well, all of my <laughs> team by all of my team by team previews on the SCN website are done. So if you want to find your team, SCN.com.au. Click on the SCN America banner on the top right-hand corner. They're all there. Hit me up on Twitter at Luke's account. Great pieces too, guys. Hit me up on... We can find it through the SCN America website, uh, the SCN America Twitter account. At at SCN SCN America, America. at Luke Sakari is my personal account if you want to debate with me any of the the previews and if you want to find your team and you can't be bothered looking through it, send me a tweet and I'll send you the link. (laughs) And Chris? Yeah, my uh, you find my stuff on uh, on my Twitter, which is at cdesilver23. If you can't find Luke's Twitter, I often retweet all these good <laughs> works, so you just find it on mine. Um, uh, also got a few pieces in the works at the moment, one on uh, the big man returning in Cleveland, J.R. Smith. And that's for Believe the Hype? 
That's for King James Gospel. For King James Gospel. But he does some great work. Yes, great work at Believe yeah, the Hype. Thank you. Got to give those boys a shout out. Yeah. Boys, thank you for joining us once again. No problems. No worries, mate.